Welcome. You're listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Visit us on the web at vedanta.org. Last time I talked, we talked about happiness. This time we're going to talk about gratitude. So I'd like to start with a short meditation. If everyone like to close their eyes and just breathe deeply in and out for a couple minutes. Now think of three things today that you're grateful for. And three people that you're thankful for. Two goals, big or small, that you'd like to achieve this month. Tell yourself that you can achieve it this month, both of them. Tell yourself that you can do anything. Picture the place that you are the happiest. Smile. Take a breath. Open your eyes. If we manage to start every day with this short little procedure, our day would be start on an up note. We would think of the things that are the most positive in our lives. We wouldn't wake up going, oh my God, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Oh, I have a deadline on how am I going to get everything done? Which we immediately put ourselves in stress about. So if we take the time to breathe, quiet ourselves down, and think of all the positive, good energy in our life. And it's not to say your life is going to be perfect, but there's always positive things in it. Particularly in this country, we have so much to be grateful for. When we talked about happiness two months ago, I guess it was, happiness itself is expressing gratitude. Because if you show the world your positive attitude, you are grateful for what you have. You're living in the moment. You're not living in the past. You're not projecting to the future. You're sitting here in the temple right now. Now, is anything terribly going wrong, except maybe I'm wandering? But you're here because you wanted to be here this morning. And that's all we have right now. I feel great. I think I see a lot of familiar faces, and I feel comfortable seeing familiar faces because, as you all know, speaking is not my most comfortable place. But we must make a habit of being grateful for what we do have. I'm grateful every morning that I wake up, I look out my window, and it's Santa Barbara. It's gorgeous. I mean, you wake up, you look outside, the birds are kind of squawking around. I can't say they're singing, or sort of squawk. But everything is kind of okay. And when I wake up immediately, 
first thing, it's the stars in the sky. And then I watch the sun rise slowly and the light starts. And I'm always just grateful that I'm here, grateful that I live in this place of beauty and relative peace. I mean, we, of course, live in a very peaceful place, but Santa Barbara itself is a relatively peaceful part of the world. We look at everything we have in our lives. I can only say, well, like Saturday mornings, I always go to the farmer's market, and our ritual is we go to Handlebar first and get a cup of coffee and a roll, because that's a big splurge for Saturday morning. When we look at statistics, I can be grateful that I can go and get that cup of coffee. I mean, you know, they're Starbucks, $255 for your coffee. I, I'm going to give you some really drastic statistics. There are 3 billion people in the world who live on under $2.50 a day. So the fact that we can go out every day and afford that cup of coffee... We are so much more fortunate. 1.3 billion of those 3 billion live on less than a dollar and a quarter a day. What do we complain about? We don't have enough. We want more. But in the relative scheme of the world, and this is the external world, we have the gravy train. <laughs> We, even in Montecito, can go to the faucet or the RO machine and get a glass of water whenever we want one. 783 million people don't have clean water. They can't get a glass of water when they want one. I mean, we in Montecito complain constantly about the lack of water, and it's true relatively to the rest of the country, but not to the rest of the world. We have homes that we go to, and we have beds that we sleep in at night. Just in the United States alone, 750,000 people don't. And that's only in the cities. They haven't taken population in rural areas as much as they do in the cities. So gratitude, someone once said, is the amalgamation of a great attitude. But it's something that we have to practice every day. We have to cultivate it. Because our primordial brain, which we all have, looks at the world and goes, danger, 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 uh-oh, fight, flight, save myself. And we have to retrain that primitive brain to say, no. We are safe now. Not, you know, not to be foolish, but to cultivate this attitude in our daily life. We are relatively safe. We're not living in a war zone. We're not living in the conditions that many people do. And those many people can still maintain an attitude of happiness, grateful for each day, the good things that happen. I'm going to read a quote. Gratitude is a choice that we make every day. We can get up and we can say, oh, golly, my back hurts. I guess I won't be able to do anything today. We can look at everything negative in our lives and concentrate on that. Or we can make the choice to accept the fact there are negative things, 
but to concentrate on all the positive things that are in our life. I have relative health. I have relatively good health care if I don't have health. I had really bad knees. Now I have two brand new knees. I can do whatever I want. And this is things I'm grateful for. I could hardly walk. Now it's no problem whatsoever. Years ago, well, one generation ago, people didn't get their knees replaced that easily. They didn't get their hips replaced that easily. They got crippled and they used canes. We're living in an era that there is so much to be grateful for. And too often, as someone said, I think it was Aldous Huxley, he said, most human beings have an almost infinite capacity to take things for granted. And how much in our lives do we take for granted? Another quote that I will give you by someone I've never heard of, named Ozick, we often take for granted the very things that most deserve our gratitude. It is a normal human condition to become self-absorbed and worry about ourselves. This is part of our, I think it's the limbic brain, that preserves ourself. We have to protect ourselves. We have to keep ourselves alive. But to be that self-absorbed, according to Vedanta, cuts us off from the unity of all existence. And that, after all, is what Vedanta is saying we're trying to find again, is that unity of all existence, where we identify with every person we see. We identify with the God within them. We don't have to be friends with all of them, but to take a look and see the God within and recognize it, as in one of the stories of Ramakrishna, sometimes it's a tiger god. Now, it's not practical, intelligent, or anything else to go up and embrace a wild tiger. But you salute the god within and take the proper precautions. <laughs> the same with people who are on a different tack than you are in life. People who when you associate with them, you forget the good things in your life and you start identifying with the, either the exciting things or the things that drag you down. You choose your friends. All of life is a choice. And we make those choices every single minute of our lives. And I think we all know when we make the choice that it's not that good for us, but I'm going to do it anyway. But you can't do it repeatedly. We have to set a goal and pursue that goal. To quote another person, both abundance and lack exist simultaneously in our lives as parallel realities. The things we have, the things we don't have. It's always our conscious choice which secret garden we will tend when we choose not to focus on what is missing from our lives, but be grateful for the abundance that's present, love, health, family, friends, work, the joys of nature and personal pursuits that bring us pleasure, the wasteland of illusion falls away, and we experience heaven on earth. And we have that ability in every minute of our lives to look 
at all of the things we have in our life, not the things we don't have, because there's always someone who's got more, and there's always someone who has less. But if we tend to look at ourselves and how fortunate we are, we don't look to who has more than now, as Oprah said, be thankful for what you have, because if you're not, you won't have much. <laughs> now, that's from a woman who has, you know, made billions. But always be grateful for what you have, because nothing more will come if you're not. And I think every business person knows that. If you're a small store like our bookstore, cultivate the customers. They're your friends. If you have a business or if you are trying to get ahead, cultivate the people who are there. They'll bring more. You always get more when you're grateful. When you say thank you, more good comes towards you. It's just like every action has a reaction. You just put out a good action, you get a good reaction. <laughs> put out a bad action, you get a bad reaction. It's very common, though, that sometimes we'll get depressed. Life itself has a habit of piling up sometimes, and you think, oh, will this ever end? Can I pull myself out of this? And hopefully, and I think most assuredly, everyone has at least one friend who will be there even when the terrible things in life happen, and I mean really awful. Albert Schweitzer, whom you all knew back when I was young, he said, at times our own light goes out. And he was a man who was working in an area where he didn't get a lot of positive assurance in the beginning. When that light goes out, it's rekindled by a spark from another person. Each one of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the fire within us again. And I'm sure when we have gotten depressed or down in our negative mood, someone comes along and says, oh, let's go for a walk, let's go down to the beach. Any little kind of thing will help rekindle that spark where you can say, oh yeah, it's a good day. And we have to be grateful for them and, and express it. As someone said, you know, if we don't express it, how do we put it out in the world? You must express gratitude, your love for people. I had, had a friend, I have a friend, many years ago, and I thought it was kind of hokey. But every time we talked on the phone. Her parting words were, love you. And I finally I said, why do you always say that? <laughs> and she said, if I don't get to talk to you again ever in my life, that's what I want to be my last words to you. And I thought, wow, it's a very, very simple thing. But why do you do it? You don't do it for the other person. You do it because it makes you feel good inside because it expresses who you really are. You really are that love, that caring, that the God within. 
and those little tiny things that you can say to other people make you feel it in your heart. Whenever we do any kind of thing, volunteering, helping someone, we think we're helping them. We start out with that, but really, we're expanding the heart within ourselves and making us feel that joy that's within. Is everyone still with me? And those kind of things do make you happy. It's not that kind of excited escapism happy where you're going to the fair and riding the roller coaster. It's the kind of happy where you're happy being yourself, sitting in a room by yourself, and you just feel joy and contentment. You're not looking outside to find something else to do or something to distract you because you feel at peace in your heart. And I think, well, certainly what I wanted when I first came, and I think that's what almost everyone in the world wants. Yes, they want success along the way. Yes, they want to take care of their families. They want all of those things, and those are good things. But they're not exclusive of that peace in your heart. They do not exclude that. You cultivate that by cultivating gratitude and happiness, and it just makes your work go better, makes your family life go better, makes your casual acquaintances closer. It embellishes your entire life. Rabbi Kushner says, when you give and carry out acts of kindness, it's as though something in your body responds and says, yes. This is how I ought to feel. And we've had many, many books written on pursuing happiness, pursuing contentment. One of our devotees just recommended a book called Solve for Happy to me, and I was absolutely astounded. I was blown over. I think it's fantastic. I'm recommending it to everyone. <laughs> it's uh, the financial CEO of Google who has written how to reach joy in a totally non-spiritual approach, more like a computer approach. His first statement was, our default mode when we're born is happy. And he said, just take a look at babies. And somehow our primitive brain takes over and says, uh-oh, it's scary out there. So fight or flight, and our default mode changes to unhappy, distrustful, and all we have to do is reboot. Sounds really simple, doesn't it? Well, I recommend the book because it's, it's fascinating. He said he got a lot of his insights through religion and through self-help places, but it's not necessary if you're not comfortable with that. He has delineated steps. Now, I have spent a few too many years in Vedanta, so I read it, and I thought, oh, yeah. He's sort of restating Patanjali's yoga aphorisms, but in a language that's modern. And I was really, really impressed. It's approachable. It's step-by-step. -step, it's wonderful. Solve for happy with a great big happy face on the front. Being grateful is the key to happiness. 
Because if you are grateful for what you have, in the Vedantic terms, you have given up expectations and desire. Gratefulness is practically the opposite of desiring more. You are satisfied. You're grateful. So how do we make ourselves unhappy? Usually by having expectations of other people, expectations of ourselves, desire for more money, desire for a better house, desire for this, desire for that. We cultivate unhappiness through desire. And our Vedantic teachings tell us we master our minds. We give up desire. We don't renounce anything. We give up desiring more, except more knowledge of God, more knowledge of ourselves. That's the thing we don't give up. But desire for anything in this world is short-lived, because everything in this world is short-lived. As Swami Yasheshananda said, all compounded matter must decay. It's true. Look around you. I mean, how much of this is going to be here in another hundred years? How many of us are going to be around in another hundred years? Facing the fact that we're all going to die, which is really the bad word, right? But when you face that fact that that's what's going to happen, then you're absolutely free because you don't have to worry about it anymore. Be grateful for every day of life you have. Don't worry about that day that will come to all of us. But if we greet every day with that joy of, it's another wonderful day. I mean, we don't have to be a Pollyanna about it, but it doesn't hurt for a while till you get the habit. <laughs> Make a new habit. You know, if we're thankful for every single thing that we have and don't concentrate on what we don't have, we have everything we need. Right? Any comments so far? You can argue with me. Now, in Vedanta, they say that if you can see Brahman in everything, and this is something Swami Vivekananda argued with his teacher about, do you mean that post is God? Do you mean that rock is God? And his teacher said, yes. In essence, yes. If we can try and see the holiness in everything around us, then we too will have that feeling of fullness and gratitude that comes to someone who knows you are part of that cosmic divinity. You will never disappear, and death then disappears. Your body won't be around, but you will be, because you are part of that cosmic divinity. That is what you are. We're walking around in these little pillowcases that we're calling ourselves, and they are really nothing but pillowcases. <laughs> 
And some of them are getting shabby and old and don't work, you know, have little holes in them here and there. But that's okay. They've served a purpose. They've helped us get along so far. And yes, one day we will discard them. But we will be where we always have been, in that divine consciousness. Now, this all sounds very good, but how do I do it? Okay, the little meditation, if every day we think of three things we're grateful for, it's not many. You can think of three. I bet you if I asked any of you in there, what are you grateful for today, you could come up with something. Anyone want to volunteer? Okay, that's wonderful. I love that, yeah. I I go out and look at that too. I think it's glorious. Anyone else grateful for anything? I'm grateful. Oh, dear God. Well, I'm grateful you're you're here, Rod. We used to have a neighbor who, he and his family uh, celebrated Shabbat every Saturday night. And periodically they would invite us over. And one of their great practices as we all sat down and the candles were lit and we they said the prayers. We went around the table and everyone had to tell a positive thing that had happened to them that day. And not being in the habit of doing it, I found myself going, ooh, what did I have that was positive today? I tended to be a fairly critical negative person and see what's wrong so I can fix it. But not a very happy way of being. Much happier if you look at the things that are good in the world and then notice, okay, well, that needs a little work. Yesterday, we had to go down to the Kali Immersion. Didn't have to. Chose to go down because I love it. Chose to go down, but it's in Balboa. So we left at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I was thinking, and it's going to take us forever to get there because it always takes us forever to get there. We were there at 10. And boat didn't take off till noon. So we had time to have a nice leisurely breakfast and walk around Balboa and enjoy it for a change rather than, (laughs) got to run to the boat. (laughs) And I was thinking, yeah, it took us three hours to get home because the traffic was much worse. But all in all, it was a beautiful, gorgeous day. And instead of really worrying about, oh, I'm not going to get there, I'm not going to get there, which I have done in the past. I've got to go faster in this part of the road. (laughs) You know, and it's all me doing it to myself. Get in the carpool lane and just go. Don't worry about anything. (laughs) Don't worry about how fast you're going, how slow you're going. You're going forward. And we got there much quicker than I've ever gotten there. So, So much of what we worry about and put on ourselves is not real. It's projecting into the future or it's going back into the past, hanging on to past emotions, hanging on to past events. This is going to happen again because it happened the last two times I went, but didn't. I remember when I, God, it was when I was little, Um, And my mother was reading Norman Vincent Peale, and he wrote a book called Stop Worrying and Start Living, which is basically the Buddhist teaching and the Vedanta teaching of living in the now. That's all we have. 
And he then came to the great conclusion that 99% of what we worry about never happens. But we work ourselves into these breathless states and twisted. I mean, we really make ourselves into a knot of anxiety. When you can find a religion that you believe in and dedicate yourself to that, it relieves anxiety immensely. If you can believe in a manifestation of God, a Christ, a Buddha, Ramakrishna's Holy Mother, a manifestation of God, then it also relieves all your anxiety because you can lay all of it at their feet and know with surety that they will take care of it and be grateful. There was a saying, it's, it's a poster, and it says, Good morning, this is God. I will be taking care of all of your activities today, and I don't need your help. And I think if all of us could remember that, <laughs> our lives would be much, much more pleasurable. But I mean, the friend who it was given to has it posted on the wall. We all tend to think it's all on us, but that's nothing but ego talking. It's nothing but our little ego. Really, a divinity is taking care of everything according to our karma. We can't quite get rid of our karma. But our karma can be ameliorated by the choices we make. We can unwind the karma. We do not have to bear the brunt of everything in a negative way. I was reading, I don't know, some of the stories of the Tibetan monks who were tortured in Tibet when the Chinese took over. And they had an attitude that it was all part of the divine play. There was no blaming. There was no thought of revenge. There was no, oh, poor me. It's just that was what the divine play was at that time. That's over. I'm going on with my life. That's an attitude that's cultivated. This is a habit that's cultivated through many years of practice and discrimination. It's not the human animal's natural behavior. But we are the most adaptable animal on the planet. And we have the power to reprogram this so that our lives can be productive, beneficial, and joyful. And that's, to my mind, the basic message of every religion. Find that. Find where you can do it. Find out how to do it. I mean, every religion says, treat thy neighbor as thyself. That starts with basic egotism. How do you want to be treated? Treat everyone like that. Holy Mother, no one is a stranger. The whole world is your own. If we look at every single person, we see not as them, but as us. 
we wouldn't have the problems that we do in the world. When we emphasize differences, we have problems. When we emphasize similarities with gratitude, we don't have a problem. Should I tell another one on myself? (laughs) I was sitting in the bookstore one day, and the light was glaring in my eyes. And someone walked into the bookstore, and I went, Hi, how are you today? And then he walked in where I could see him. And he had chains and metal hanging all over, and he had just gotten off a Harley Davidson. And he went, Fine, I'm looking for a cookbook for my mother. Now, I hate to say this, but if I had seen the package, I might not have been so, hi, how are you today? I might have gone, hello, can I help you? (laughs) You But it taught me a lesson. (laughs) I mean, when he answered back, hi, I'm looking for a cookbook for my mom. (laughs) Okay. We are the same. Our packaging is different. (laughs) See past the package. And be grateful for what we have. Be grateful for every single thing that you have every day. And express it. Tell people, thanks for just being there. Thanks for being in my life. Golly, you didn't have to do that. They're simple, simple words. And so often we just forget to say them. Because like Aldous Huxley said, we have an infinite capacity to take things for granted. Infinite. Should I ask if anyone else can think of one more thing that they would be grateful for? Yes. Yes. You have to think about those things. I mean, we take things like that for granted, and then suddenly it's gone, and you go... doesn't hurt to say... You know, to tell people you love them. Like my friend who ends every phone conversation, we'll love you. Doesn't take her a half a second. I'm going to read a Christian poem about Thanksgiving. Oh, infinite Lord, I'm grateful to thee for the moon and the stars and the deep rolling sea, for beauties of nature where'er they may be. For the hand clasp of friends, so firm and true, for sunrise and sunset and glistening dew, the fleecy white clouds and the heavens so blue, for these wonderful gifts, dear Lord, I thank you. You've been listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Thanks for listening.